Chapter 8 of Glimpses of Italian Society in the Eighteenth Century by Hester Lynch Piozzi. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Rome. This is the first town in Italy I have arrived at yet where the ladies fairly drive up and down a long street by way of showing their dress, equipage, etc., without even a pretence of taking fresh air. At Turin, the view from the place destined to this amusement would tempt one out merely for its own sake. And at Milan, they drive along a planted walk at least a stone's throw beyond the gates. Bologna calls its serious inhabitants to a little rising ground, whence the prospect is luxuriantly verdant and smiling. The Luca Bastions are beyond all in a peculiar style of miniature beauty, and even the Florentines, though lazy enough, creep out to Porto San Gallo. But here at Roma la Santa, the street is all our corso, a fine one doubtless, and called the Strada del Popolo, with infinite propriety, for except in that strada, there is little populousness enough, God knows. Twelve men to a woman even there, and as many ecclesiastics to a layman. All this, however, is fair. When celibacy is once enjoined as a duty in one profession, and encouraged as a virtue in all, where females are superfluous and half prohibited, it were foolish to complain of the decay of population, Au reste, as the French say, we must not be too sure that all who dress like abates are such. Many gentlemen wear black as the court garb, many because it is not costly, and many for reasons of mere convenience and dislike of change. I see not here the attractive beauty which caught my eye at Venice, but the women at Rome have a most Juno-like carriage, and fill up one's idea of Livia and Agrippina well enough. The men have rounder faces than one sees in other towns, I think. Bright black and somewhat prominent eyes, with the finest teeth in Europe. A story told me this morning struck my fancy much, of an herb woman who kept a stall here in the market and who, when the people ran out flocking to see the Queen of Naples as she passed, began exclaiming to her neighbours, Now povera Roma, tempo fu quando passò qui, prigioniera la regina Zenobia. Altra cosa, amica, roba tutta diversa di questa reginuccia. Footnote. Ah, poor degraded Rome, time was made when the great Zenobia passed through these streets in chains. Another guess figure from this little queenie in good time. End footnote. A characteristic speech enough, but in this town unlike to every other, the things take my attention all away from the people, while in every other the people have had much more of my mind employed upon them than the things. The music is not in a state so capital as we left it in the north of Italy. We regret Nardini of Florence, Alessandria of Venice, and Lorenzi of Milan. And who that has heard Signor Marchesi sing could ever hear a successor? For rival he has none, 
without feeling a total indifference to all their best endeavours. The conversations of Cardinal de Berny and Madame de Boccopadouli are what my countrywomen talk most of, but the Roman ladies cannot endure perfumes and faint away even at an artificial rose. I went but once among them, when Memo, the Venetian ambassador, did me the honour to introduce me somewhere, but the conversation was soon over, not so my shame, when I perceived all the company shrink from me very oddly and stop their noses with rue, which a servant brought to their assistance on open salvers. I was by this time more like to faint away than they, from confusion and distress. My kind protector informed me of the cause, said I had some grains of marechal powder in my hair, perhaps, and led me out of the assembly, to which no entreaties could prevail on me ever to return, or make further attempts to associate with a delicacy so very susceptible of offence. Meantime, the weather is exceedingly bad, heavy, thick, and foggy as our own, for what I see. But so it was at Milan, too, I well remember. One's eye could not reach many mornings across the Nobilio that ran directly under our windows. For fine, bright Novembers who must go to Constantinople, I fancy, certain it is that Rome will not supply them. What, however, can make these Roman ladies fly from Odori so that a drop of lavender water in one's handkerchief or a carnation in one's stomacher is to throw them all into convulsions thus? Sure, this is the only instance in which they forbear to fabricare so l'antico, footnote, build upon the old foundations, end footnote, in their own phrase. The dames of whom Juvenal delights to tell liked perfumes well enough, if I remember, and Horace and Marshall cry carpe rosas perpetually. Are the modern inhabitants still more refined than they in their researches after pleasure? And are the present race of ladies capable of increasing, beyond that of their ancestors, the keenness of any corporeal sense? I should think not. Here are, however, amusements enough at Rome without trying for their conversations. The Barberini Palace, whither I carried a distracting toothache, amused even that torture by the variety of its wonders. Nothing can equal the nastiness at one's entrance to this magazine of perfection. But the Roman nobles are not disgusted with all sorts of scents, it is plain. These are not what we should call perfumes, indeed, but certainly odori, of the same nature as those one is obliged to wade through before Trajan's pillar can be climbed. That the general appearance of a city which contains such treasures should be mean and disgusting, while one literally often walks upon granite and tramples red porphyry under one's feet, is one of the greatest wonders to me in a town of which the wonders seem innumerable. That it should be nasty beyond all telling, all endurance, with such perennial streams of the purest water liberally dispersed and triumphantly scattered all over it, is another unfathomable wonder. That so many poor should be suffered to beg in the streets, 
for not a hand can be got to work in the fields and that those poor should be permitted to exhibit sights of deformity and degradations of our species to me unseen till now at the most solemn moments and in churches where silver and gold and richly arrayed priests scarcely suffice to call off attention from their squalid miseries i do not try to comprehend that the palaces which taste and expense combine to decorate should look quietly on while common passengers use their noble vestibules nay stairs for every nauseous purpose that princes whose incomes equal those of our dukes of bedford and marlborough should suffer their servants to dress other men's dinners for hire or lend out their equipage for a day's pleasuring and hang wet rags out of their palace windows to dry as in the mean habitation of a pauper while looking in at those very windows nothing is to be seen but proofs of opulence and scenes of splendour i will not undertake to explain sure i am that whoever knows rome will not condemn this ebauche of it when i spoke of their beggars many not unlike salvator rosa's job at the santa croce palace i ought not to have omitted their eloquence and various talents we talked to a lame man one day at our own door whose account of his illness would not have disgraced a medical professor so judicious were his sentiments so scientific was his discourse the accent here too is perfectly pleasing intelligible and expressive and i like their cantilena vastly the excessive lenity of all italian states makes it dangerous to live among them a seeming paradox yet certainly most true and whatever is evil in this way at any other town is worst at rome where those who deserve hanging enjoy almost a moral certainty of never being hanged so unwilling is everybody to detect the offender and so numerous the churches to afford him protection if found out a man asked importunely in our antechamber this morning for the padrone naming no names and our servants turned him out he went however only five doors further found a sick old gentleman sitting in his lodging attended by a feeble servant whom he bound stuck a knife in the master rifled the apartments and walked coolly out again at noonday nor should we have ever heard of such a trifle but that it happened just by so for here are no newspapers to tell who is murdered and nobody's pity is excited unless for the malefactor when they hear he is caught but the palazzo farnese is a more pleasing speculation there were several broken statues in the place and while my companions were examining the group after i had done the wench's conversation who showed it made my amusement as we looked together at an egyptian isis or as many call her the ephesian diana with a hundred breasts very hideous and swathed about the legs like a mummy at cairo or a baby at rome i said to the girl they worshipped these filthy things formerly before jesus christ came but he taught us better and i and we are wiser now 
how foolish was it not to pray to this ugly stone the people were wickeder then very likely replied my friend the wench but i do not see that it was foolish at all who says the modern romans are degenerated i swear i think them so like their ancestors that it is my delight to contemplate the resemblance a statue of a peasant carrying game at this very palace is habited precisely in the modern dress and shows how very little change has yet been made the shoes of the low fellows too particularly attract my notice they exactly resemble the ancient ones after three days more we go to naples news perfectly agreeable to me who never have been well here for two hours together all the great churches remain yet unvisited they are to be taken at our return in spring Popiscus said that the statues in his time at rome outnumbered the people and i trust the remark is now almost doubly true as every day and hour digs up dead worthies and the unwholesome weather must surely send as many of the living ones to their ancestors upon the whole the men and women of porphyry etc please me best as they do not handle long knives to so good an effect as the others do qui aime bien à séguger encore footnote who have still a taste to be cutthroats end footnote says a french gentleman of them the other day there is however an air of cheerfulness in the streets at a night among the poor who fry fish and eat roots sausages etc as they walk about gaily enough and though they quarrel too often never get drunk at least End of chapter 8